Hello, it's Caroline. I'm just here to tell you that this episode that you're about to listen to was recorded during a time when I still used Patreon. I do not use Patreon anymore, but you can find helpful resources by going to thefuckadiet.com slash more. You can also read the beginning of the Fuck a Diet book for free from my site. Lastly, this podcast is extremely messy. And it was actually intentionally messy and unstructured because that was the only way I could inspire myself to start and continue this podcast. I needed the lowest stakes possible. And though this podcast remains very low budget and has remained messy throughout the years until now, if you want slightly more structured and streamlined episodes, listen to the more recent episodes. All right, enjoy. God, I keep forgetting to turn this metronome off. Welcome to the Fuck A Diet Radio. I would like to take a moment to just point out that this theme song is not really the theme song. I bought a couple of tracks that I was trying to emulate my favorite podcast at the time, and I still love it, Binge Mode, which is all about Game of Thrones, and then Harry Potter, and now Game of Thrones again. And I just love the theme song and it felt fun and I was so sick of my stupid ukulele theme song that I was like, I want to be like that. But it's not like that. And so, um, yeah, I'm a fraud. I'm an absolute fraud as far as uh, podcast theme song music is concerned. So, uh, did I say what my name was yet? No, I didn't. My name is Caroline Dooner. I am the host of the Fuck a Diet Radio, which is what you're listening to, and the creator of the Fuck a Diet website and blog and author of the Fuck a Diet book, which is out now. And honestly, if you haven't read it and you think that there's nothing new that could possibly be in the book, I promise that there actually is a lot that you will learn from the book. I was really excited to hear from people who have followed me for years and years and years say that they bought the book, you know, thinking that they would enjoy it and happy to see everything compiled into book form, wanting to support me and support the movement and support the book, and that they actually learned something new and a couple new things. Also, for all of you guys, I know I, I talk on here a lot, you know, when when somebody asks a question where the answer is sort of a more um, emotional or mental, I just sort of say, do work on this, blah, 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 blah. And I go into a lot more depth on actually how to do that and why I think that that is a really important and helpful way to move through the really difficult and painful and... and um, but you know, all the places where we get stuck and all the resistance that comes up when we try to change our relationship to food and body after being taught to look at ourselves and our worth uh, one way for so long. Anyway, that was a ramble. (laughs) I also, um, I don't really go looking at the reviews for this podcast very often, but I did last month and most of them are glowing reviews. Thank you to everybody who who reviews it uh, five stars on iTunes. It, it, it really does help. It helps people find it. It helps people. I mean, I, I do this. I go and I look at reviews for something if I'm on the fence about whether it's something I want to listen to. Um, 
And one person pretty recently was like, I really wanted to like this, but it was so annoying and redundant. And I was like, oh my God, she's right. It is. I mean, this the energy of this podcast is really loosey-goosey. It's super casual. It's like, you know, pathologically casual and sort of unorganized. And that's just the way it has to be. Um, I am, you know, not... I don't make money from doing this podcast. This is a way to share the things. Damn it. Damn it. Speaking of. Speaking of. Molly, please. Can you go over here? Can you go over here? Go over here. Lie on this thing. Go. See? I don't have a studio. I don't make money from this. And I edit it myself. It's just a big old piece of bullshit. But, um, you know, it, it is an audio format of my blog so for different learning styles it's hopefully a helpful or slightly helpful free casual version of the material that I have been writing about on my blog for the past seven years that is now turned into a book and a course and all of that Um, and when I say I don't make money off of this I know that there are a couple people giving a dollar a month um, to ask questions for this and that adds up to the hosting for pretty much my site and for the actual audio files of the podcast. Um, So it's super helpful. I'm super thankful. I do like giving a slight paywall for people to ask questions because it used to be when people would, when I had a free Facebook group, it was like total madness in so many ways. Um, I actually just posted about that on my Instagram story. And you can find it by going to my Instagram profile and looking at the saved highlighted story called free group question mark explains why I don't have a free group anymore even though I totally considered it for people who have bought the book as like an incentive to buy the book or a bonus but then I remembered what it was like um trying to moderate that like it was like a thousand five hundred people like 1500 people in the free group this was a couple years ago before I had the following that I have on Instagram now and it was like horrible it was just it was honestly madness and actually let me read let me read you know what because I think you might need to know why not just read it Oh, because I don't know where it is. Okay, why don't you have a free group for me to join? All right, I wrote this out and I posted it on Instagram. But here it is. I know that it sounds really simple, so why wouldn't I just offer that to people? Um, Especially if it's Facebook. It's not like I have to pay or anything. Um, And the reason is because I used to have a free Facebook group for anyone who signed up for my free email lessons a few years ago. And it became a madhouse and I eventually had to close it down. And that's when I... That's when I um, set up Patreon to be a way for people to, for $1, ask questions. I wanted it to, um... Molly, no! Oh, sorry guys. I'm trying to train her. Jesus, she's honestly driving me crazy right now. She's so cute, but she's just being really bad. And I guess I didn't give her a long enough walk this morning. So she's not tired yet. She's bumbling around my tiny, tiny little house. Just making noise essentially but I'm trying to train her not to eat my fucking shoes 
So I have the shoes all around, um, not on the floor, but like tucked away, but still accessible because I don't have the room to not have it be that way. So this winter was like a total mess, um, shoes wise. Um, I had to put them up on tables and I just don't want to live that way anymore. So she's normally pretty good, but I guess she's bored out of her mind. And so she was eating, you know, one of my shoes. Then I yelled at her, turned off the recording, and then she felt remorse. And she tried to offer me her little, I was going to say hand, but I guess her little paw. Like she couldn't look me in the eye, but she was trying to like put her little paw up. So it was cute. So I forgave her. Now she's lying behind me, just staring at the wall, literally, literally just staring at the wall. Okay. Um, look, 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 I'm feeding right into that. What, what that reviewer said they tried, but honestly it was really annoying and, um, redundant. So she just offered me her little paw. So I'm sitting here recording this podcast, holding my dog's paw. So she doesn't have like a mental breakdown over her mother being mad at her. She just can't handle it. But hopefully she learns not to eat my shoes. That's really, it's my biggest hope. My second biggest hope is that she doesn't have a mental breakdown. Okay. So what I'm really trying to say, what am I really, I started reading something. (laughs) Okay. So this is why moderating that free group would have been a full-time job. There were people in there posting extremely triggering content all day long. And again, this is only 1,500, and there would be way more um, and growing if it was people who bought the book and blah, blah, blah. Okay. There were people in there who needed to be in eating disorder treatment, people in there who were teenagers, people in there selling their own programs, and people in there giving advice on the triggering content that was tinged with its own subtle diet mentality. Um... There were also, of course, some really wonderful, beautiful, supportive exchanges between between members and there were people able to give great advice, but those moments were drowned out by the chaos and it wasn't really an enjoyable place for people to be. It didn't really feel like a safe space and it would have taken a lot of time and resources in order to make it that way slash sort of impossible like it was sort of impossible to to do I definitely tried to moderate uh I tried to make guidelines I tried to be in there sometimes coaching um and then also deleting posts that were triggering but of course people don't know and they get mad and they don't understand and it's a whole thing of like well why are you censoring me and it's like this is just absurd like this is this is this is literally the full-time job that makes no money right it's just like it was not a sustainable thing and it wasn't enjoyable okay plus it wasn't a course so it's not like people are actually able to work through specific material it's just like a madhouse okay so unlike a knitting facebook group or a design facebook group or a business mastermind facebook group working through our relationship with food can be dark and scary stuff and the line between dieting and disordered eating and eating disorders is fuzzy are fuzzy if there are a couple lines it depends i don't know how i'm going to conjugate this because i don't know whether it's singular or plural humongous free groups on the subject are really tough places to keep positive and to moderate anyway 
I, that's why. And that's also why I started Patreon. And I will say, I don't know what the future of Patreon is going to be. And right now I'm going to be taking a three month break from doing this podcast and from answering Patreon questions. And instead I'm going to be running the Fuck It Diet Book Club, which is a course. It is $350 for an eight week guided course with live calls and coaching and community discussion using the book as a textbook, but also offering a lot of supplemental material that was cut from the book, coaching, Q and A's, um, a really beautiful membership space on Mighty Networks and not Facebook. So I'm just personally excited about that because I've been trying to move away from Facebook for a lot of reasons. Um, and this is a way to do it and kind of have it be an all-encompassing, all-inclusive community situation. I'm super excited about it. There's going to be a payment plan. There's going to be um, early bird specials, blah, 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 blah. Today is May 4th. It's also my brother's 29th birthday. And I sent him a birthday text, but that's not really good enough, is it? It's not good enough. Um, it is opening up for enrollment on May 10th. And we're actually beginning the entire course process on May 26th. So it's, it's coming. Um, and I'm excited about it. And that is going to be the way to get support. Uh, you wouldn't believe the boldness of people to say, uh, how dare you charge money for this? I need help and I can't afford it. And I'm really sorry to say that it's grown to the place right now. Um, grown to the following right now where to get coaching and all of the stuff that's going to come along with this course it costs money it just just does it takes a lot <laughs> it takes a lot to to run something like this so that's just the way it is however the book is out there and the book is 20 ish dollars and super comprehensive so I'm like really excited about that I'm really excited that it all has been compiled into such a comprehensive and affordable format. So I really like really genuinely encourage people to start their own discussion groups and their own book clubs um, that are free, obviously. That's like the point. It's it's meant to be accessible like that and blah, blah, blah. So that's what I hope people do if they are looking for some sort of community and discussion around it and can't afford it, start your own for free. And if you're looking to go deeper and be coached and guided and have community support specifically around the Fuck a Diet book, either whether you've read it before in the past month since it's been out and want to go even deeper and want the accountability to go through all of the prompts and the tools and to ask questions, or if you started it and got freaked out and need the accountability to actually go through it, whatever, it's for people who are reading it for the first time or people who are reading it again. Um, I hope that you join if you are looking for a way to go deeper. And I'm making it sound like a million people are telling me that I shouldn't be charging money for running a course. A couple people have, more people have been saying, I can't wait to join it or 
before they knew that it existed, they've been saying, hi, do you have something that I can go through a group or program I can join to help me apply this? So the majority are looking for something and understand why it costs money. And a couple of people are like, how dare you? And those people come on. Anyway, what we're really going to focus on today is answering Patreon questions. But that also brings me to the fact that for the next three months, I am not going to be answering any Patreon questions. All of my energy is going to be going to the Fuck It Diet book club, which of course, again, you can join. You can go to thefuckitdiet.com slash club. It isn't opening until... The enrollment isn't opening until May 10th, which is in six days, but you can sign up just to make sure that you're definitely notified when I do open up enrollment. And then the actual course is beginning May 26th. Um, so yeah, so I, I, I'm not going to be engaging with Patreon for the next three months. If you give a dollar a month, you may want to pause that or stop that for three months or you can just keep going and I'll get the three dollars from you and it'll really genuinely honestly help me continue to put out free content after the three months is over this is like a little season break if you will um but there's going to be a significant break in these patreon questions for the podcast because I'm going on a little three month hey (laughs) hey itis yep 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 that's the word okay I'm going on a three-month hiatus and but for now I'm gonna finish up all of these questions so we can um go into the summer happy all of us happy and I'm gonna go backwards in the questions because (sighs) why make things straightforward let's go backwards okay Kara asks, hey, Caroline, I just listened to your keto episode on the podcast. It was great as usual. However, ooh, this is fascinating. I did read dog food. Many grain-free diets are now being linked to heart disease in dogs. A couple episodes ago, I said that my dog is on a raw grain-free diet, even though she's not. It's just the food that I buy for her. She's allowed to eat like whatever treats, whatever. She eats lots of toast from the street. Believe me. Um... But she said that many grain-free diets are now being linked to heart disease in dogs. Unless your pup has a confirmed allergy, she does not. Grain-free limited ingredient diets are unnecessary, not to mention hella expensive. Yes, they are. Just a heads up. I love that. I totally believe it. Um, I have actually added some... Oh, it's actually still grain-free. That's actually interesting. I did add some less expensive, not (laughs) raw food into her diet like her actual diet I mean she gets a million treats every day that are anything um however I think this is really interesting because it's very it's the same for humans um unnecessarily grain-free or gluten-free diets are actually linked with poor health outcomes and nutrient deficiencies because people are eating such a limited diet that they don't need to be eating and when people do have um you know, very real allergies that obviously need to be honored and followed, you do need to do, you know, the work to make sure that you're 
getting everything you need from a more limited diet. So cutting out food groups for no reason is not linked with better health for humans or for dogs. Um, And now we take a break to put on our sweater because it got cold in here. All right, I'm back. I have a sweater on. It's my Shroot Farms bed and breakfast uh, sweatshirt that my sister bought for me for Christmas, my favorite Christmas present. We're ready to go. So the next question is from Carly. She says, hi, Caroline. Thank you for your podcast and all of the work that you do. Thank you. The Fuck It Diet was an integral part of my recovery from what was diagnosed as binge eating disorder around four or five years ago, and I will be forever grateful. In the last year or so, I have unfortunately been slowly sliding back into more rigid eating patterns, in particular since the beginning of 2009 when I completely switched up my diet in line with the recommendations of a certain natural healthcare professional and eliminated a lot of food groups with a weekly cheat meal, usually the most stressful meal of the week. I'm just going to take a pause here to say I don't agree with a lot of natural healthcare professionals giving bullshit diet advice. And I actually genuinely believe in a lot of natural shit. <laughs> I pretty much eschew a lot of Western medicine because I think it's a, mostly run by pharmaceutical companies who don't really give a shit about finding um, and treating the whole body and core issues. I don't trust a lot of Western medicine and I opt to, generally speaking, I'm not giving specifics here because there are exceptions to every rule, obviously, and I am speaking for personal experience. I've been able to to do that for my own particular health problems. Also, mine are very chronic in nature and for the most part, you know, all Western medicine when I'm dealing with chronic stuff or even preventative stuff, they just don't have the, they don't, they don't know how to treat that. It's all about like pain management or symptom reducing, you know, which definitely has its place depending on how severe the situation is. I'm, what I'm really trying to say is, you know, I'm not judging anyone for doing or needing or doing any, anything. Uh, but what I'm trying to say is that I opt for natural and inter- integrative, integrative, is that how you pronounce it? Medicine. And I still think that 95% of the time that they give any sort of diet advice, it's just bullshit and um, diet culture that doesn't really, you know, even like food um, intolerances, in my opinion and experience, they are symptoms of deeper stuff. So, anywho, that was a really long tangent just to, 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 okay, I'm just going to continue this. <laughs> Hold on. Wait, wait a minute. Um, Okay, she said, this was also closely linked to me wanting to become a health coach in the future. I thought because I was now healed from disordered eating, I could approach nutrition from a totally different and safe angle. I was wrong, which is a valuable lesson, she says. As the months went by, I started to notice that although a number of my health concerns, joint pain, urinary tract issues did improve, 
feel free to admit this part if you think that it may be triggering, I was becoming very obsessive with food again. A lot of orthorexic fear around toxic foods and environmental factors and would find myself binging on weekends, although I had previously completely overcome binging for a number number of years. My body and soul were getting exhausted and told me to stop, and I am now on the fuck it journey again. In spite of the fact that I have a lot of unlearning and relearning to do, I'm actually very grateful for my body and intuition for reminding me of the core lessons I learned when I overcame my eating disorder four years ago. I feel like my body intuitively reminded me that my goal was always to work with women on their health whilst also helping them to overcome eating struggles and body image issues. The rigid health-focused approach I was taking in the last few months would not have been the right way to achieve my goals as a coach. This time, this time around, my food issues are more of an orthorexic nature rather than weight-based, and I am not fearful of a particular macro, meaning fat, carbs, um, protein. <laughs> What's that? What was the third? Um, and happily eat all of them, but I have fear around lots of food groups within each macro for being quote unquote unhealthy. However, I have also noticed that I did become attached to having a flatter stomach when eating quote unquote clean. I need to relearn to surrender to whatever size my stomach wants to be. I recently listened to an episode where you talked about how many people struggle with releasing control by using finances as a reason to legitimize food restriction. I've noticed this in myself too. I will happily spend loads of money on food because I value quality, but will suddenly find myself trying to convince myself that I cannot have an quote unquote extra banana today because otherwise I will keep having to buy more bananas, which would be expensive. Uh, Then she just writes, what the fuck? Question mark. Now to my actual question. Sorry for the massive intro. Don't apologize. It's really great content for people who are experiencing similar things and don't even realize it until they hear it said out loud. This is her question. What is your stance on fasting? (laughs) I understand that it is obviously not ideal for anyone who is trying to normalize their relationship with food, but I've been thinking a lot about its health benefits and how it is also deeply ingrained in many traditions and religions. I like the thought of giving my digestion some rest and allowing my body to clean house and go after dead cells Okay, before I finish this, that is what we do at night. That's like literally every night we are fasting and allowing our body to do that. Um, And I think asking us to do anything to like live our lives and walk around the world and, and focus and function on no food is just inherently not great. Like it's not good. It isn't good for us long term. And the idea that we're never allowing our, our digestion to rest and or never fasting is just untrue. We literally do it every single night. Last night I realized, and this is actually a little bit longer for me than usual because I usually eat a bedtime snack and I eat. I wake up earlier and eat earlier in the morning. But I went 12 hours last night not eating because I was sleeping not sleeping for 12 hours but there was a buffer before bed and before and after like we do it every night okay so that's really my biggest response at the same time fasting is obviously a way of ignoring your body's natural hunger cues so that in that sense it is counterintuitive however if we didn't live in modern day society where food was constantly available wouldn't we naturally fast for prolonged periods of time sometimes and couldn't it be that this is how nature intended it 
well, nature intends you to majorly conserve lots of things and health things and lower your metabolism and fixate you on food when you fast. That's, that's, that's how nature intended it for if you're needing to fast, of course, you're not going to die. Your body's going to go into conservation mode, but also fixate you on food. So you make sure you don't just keep fasting for the rest of your life and you actually become more obsessed with food as you're supposed to. Whilst my healthy in quotes, um, i.e. restrictive diet these last two months uh oh whilst on my healthy in quotes restrictive diet these last two months I did intermittent fasting every two weeks where I would go about 24 hours without eating from dinner one day to dinner the next day essentially skipping breakfast and lunch and part of me really wants to continue to do this now as well I've admitted to myself however that this is still very much the orthorexic part of me as well as the part that wants to cling onto the flat stomach ideal that feels like if I at least fast twice a month, I can sort of mitigate some of the quote-unquote disastrous effects that may be caused by the fuck-it diet. Well, I think you have your answer right there. This is still, in my opinion and experience, disordered eating. And a lot of people, like this is what I did, not exactly with this, with intermittent fasting, but this is what I did when I thought I was beginning to eat intuitively years and years and years and years ago before the fuck it diet. I was like, I'm going to eat intuitively, but I'm going to X, Y, Z, you know, I'm going to exercise a lot. I'm going to make sure that I never eat a lot, (laughs) that I listen really, really, really closely. So I eat the smallest amount possible. I'm going to eat healthy versions of food, which again, look, I'm not even going to get into what healthy versions of food mean because it genuinely means different things to different people depending on what you believe healthy food is so um uh, like I believe in like you know if I could wave a wand and have us somehow feed the world through sustainable farming practices and like not use pesticides and herbicides and you know, run the soil ragged and blah, 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 like that, and all humane meat and dairy, like that's what I would do because I think it's best for the planet and I think it tastes the best, but everything is relative to what you actually need. Like if we're going to talk about actual poverty, what, what they need is to feel that they have enough money and enough food to get through the day, not being hungry and not having to restrict for money reasons. So like what what we need is all based on what's happening. So it's all relative. And that's a little bit of a tangent. But I would like to get back to whatever we were talking about here. Um, um, so, okay. So she ends her question site by saying, "By what do you think about fasting per se outside of the context of disordered eating? Um, I think it's really, really hard and, um, and rare to separate fasting from disordered eating. I think that people who are going to tend to do fasting um, have that orthorexic or have that disordered eating tendency to, to take it to extremes. And I'm not saying that people with health problems, and I say this firsthand because I am literally living it, <laughs> literally, and always have been, Um, I'm not saying that people with health problems who are searching 
for the answer and saying, oh my God, are you telling me that if I don't eat for this amount of period, it'll give my body a chance to heal and I'll feel great and I can still eat the foods I love, but you know, blah, blah, blah. Like to try that and to hope that it would work and to enjoy it on some level because it feels like you're being productive and blah, blah, blah. I totally empathize with that. Like I understand why we do that. I understand I understand what we're searching for. Um, but I think especially for someone who is coming from a disordered orthorexic place, even just the way that you explain the way your mind is working around it, like mitigating and controlling and keeping this whole thing healthy. Um, and by this whole thing, I mean the fuck it diet. I think that it's really hard, if not impossible, to untangle it from disordered eating. And even talking about how religious, you know, it's been done in religious, for religious, like, rituals throughout time. I think that that is also, like, super telling and problematic in some ways because I I think that a lot of the rituals, and I know that there is... Um, there's a grounding property to, to rituals and it's very human to search for rituals, but there is something a little bit almost like a little bit obsessive compulsive. And I don't say that lightly, um, a, a little bit of a, and coming from a place of a, a, con, a control and perfectionistic mindset of the way that a lot of religions have rituals and it's a way of almost like, if I do this, it's a, it's the compulsion part, right? It's like, if I do this thing, then everything's going to be okay. If I do this thing, then I'm going to be saved. Um, in my book, I do talk about the uh, comparison between religion, the religious, dogmatic religious mentality and dogmatic diet mentality, and that it's very, very similar and that I think that they've been used together as well. And I'm not saying that if you, if your religion fasts or whatever, that you, you shouldn't do it. But I am saying it's interesting, like people think that it keep makes them closer to God um, through sacrifice and through, through kind of, the denial and like the the suffering you know I think that that's a really interesting and big theme it's like guys we suffer it fucking enough like don't we suffer enough <laughs> to have to like make it even hard like make life even harder um I think that it comes a lot of like the fear of of pleasure and I talk about this so much in my book but like the fear that like being fully embodied in your in your actual human body is somehow not spiritual and I don't agree with that um however again as somebody who like I literally just went to a new really great um renowned doctor this past week and I guys ready for this I have Lyme I have Lyme disease which explains so much it explains why I can't finish sentences why I'm always bumbling on here and brain fog I mean he was like do you have brain fog I was like 
yeah, I do. I, I really do. He was like, is it mild, moderate, um, severe? I was like, it goes between mild and severe. Like, it really does. And I'm tired all the fucking time. And again, like, for all the people who listen who are like, oh no, well, maybe you need to be on a diet. I have done every diet. Every diet. Every diet. I've done. And I also re- re- eat really fucking, like, normally and well now honestly, um, because food is not a big deal to me. I eat whatever I want, but I want really like really snobby things after all this time doing the fuck a diet. Um, again, that's a privilege to be able to afford it. I know. Um, but I was really relieved. And this guy is a super integrative, um, very alternative, holistic doctor as well. Um, though he is an MD, just in case you're curious. Uh, And he did not mention diet once. And I was expecting him to. I was expecting him to ask me about gluten or dairy or something and maybe like, "Eh, well, you know, decide whether to just ignore it and pretend or to to be like, well, I mean. Um, He didn't mention it fucking once. I feel so happy. Like, so happy about that. Um, I know that I've talked about parasites before on this podcast, uh, and I apparently that is still also one of my main issues, and I have really bad reactions to when I'm trying to address them, and he was going to give me a drug for them. Again, Western medicine has its fucking place. I definitely believe that. Um, can be super life-saving, and, you know, some people just, like, have to, and I totally totally understand that and like I just I do basically but for me I you know none of the western medicine uh approaches or interventions have done a fucking thing for me ever except for little things like this like antibiotics they're nice if you're not overusing them and destroying your gut flora and um you know killing parasites when garlic isn't cutting it you know bring on the drugs so Heroic medicine, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Um, Yes, so he's going to put me on a drug for parasites, but he's trying to help me desensitize to the... um, I get, like, migraines, like, horrible migraines when they're um, dying. It's really crazy stuff. But it's really interesting to be like, none of this has the fuck to... Honestly, like, where does he think parasites come from? I actually read their little pamphlet on it because I didn't really know before. I was like, I don't really understand. Imported fruits and vegetables and raw meat and um, and salmon. So what's literally, it's like just wash your fruits and vegetables and just be careful about it. And that's also an, an immune thing. Like if your immune system is a little bit run down, um, it's not going to be able to fight it as well. But uh, that like basically it's like a sewage thing. So if like it's coming from a country that doesn't, isn't as equipped to keep sewage out of its water source, then the fruits and vegetables will be more easily contaminated with parasite eggs from sewage. It's just the way it is, which is why they say when you go to a foreign country, that doesn't have as clean water, you can get parasites, but they're not looking at the fact that 
it can come in on produce. So like my raw vegan days, <laughs> anyway, um, my point is, uh, I understand that people think that food is the cause of all of their problems and that it will be the cure. But in my experience and in lots of people's experience, and also according to a lot of the studies out there that look at what actually happens to our health when we restrict, et cetera, et cetera, it's just not the case. And it can be frustrating to learn that because when you are told that it's all in your hands and that you hold the cure and all you need to do is eat perfectly and you can cure yourself of like all these painful things that you're going through, it feels really empowering in a way. And to learn that um, that isn't true anymore can be really upsetting. But in my experience, it can also be really um, vindicating to be like, you know what, this isn't my fucking fault. I was bitten by a motherfucking tick, which I got so many ticks when I was young. Guys, the East Coast of the United States is a dangerous place to live. I got so many ticks when I was young. And so here we are. Okay. Um, I hope that I've answered your question there. I rambled majorly, but I feel I have a lot of feelings and, um, you know, it's interesting. Like I I am an outlier, I think, in that I'm super anti-diet, but I still believe in super alternative means of treating chronic illness or I, you know, that's sort of like the, the world that I'm in and the... And I've stopped, um, I basically took like a six month break just now because I was honestly just sick of having headaches. And I was like, I'm just going to try to coast a little bit and just kind of take my vitamins and take my B vitamins and my vitamin D and just like live my life. And it's been fine. I've had a little bit less headaches, but I have major brain fog. And apparently this is why. So here we go. Here we go. I'm going to move on to the next question now. And uh, if I have trouble uh, finishing my sentences or giving you a coherent thought, now you know why. Okay, Jess says, refeeding experiences. Hi, Caroline and the Fuck It Dieters. I am very new to the Fuck It Diet, but the book has already changed my mindset so much and I am so grateful. I started restricting with Cheat Binge Day uh, once every week or two. Shit, I'm reading this really stupidly. I started restricting with a cheat binge day once every week or two initially, but this increased when I was stressed to more like two or three times a week when I was 19. I'm now 23. I felt completely trapped in a cycle where I'd get really low after binges. So the book has been so great in transforming my attitude. I do still have a slight fear. I'm currently in the refeeding phase, which is amazing, but I feel slightly nervous that it will never end. You, my friend are not alone, I promise. And I don't know if that, that if that's helpful, but you are definitely not alone um, in that fear and then also not alone in that fear being able to go away when you realize that it is, um, you're not gonna eat the world and it, and it is a temporary phase. I'm eating a lot of sugary or more fatty foods, which I would previously ban. Although I'm looking at it differently, I'm probably still eating as much as I would on my binge days, but every day. 
I know this is part and parcel of the refeeding and I should relax, but I'm keen to hear your initial experiences when starting the fuck it diet and how long the stage lasted for you, how you felt afterwards and how you knew you had reached the other end, etc. I think she's asking people who have experienced it, which there's only one response. So I'm going to read that too. And that's the other bummer about Patreon. It's not as like interactive as I would have wanted. And I think it's because people just like aren't hanging out here. So it's not like it, there isn't like a super community feel. And that's just a bummer to me. Okay. Um, but I hope by listening to this podcast, you can also get a good t- taste and um, like a sort of hear from lots of people who have gone through this. What does she say? What does she say? Okay. Sorry. I'm sure this has already been covered either in the podcast or in earlier comments. Thank you again, Caroline. I can't tell you how grateful I am for you changing my perspective towards food and finally helping me to start heal my religion with food. Yay carbs. Okay. Everybody is afraid about this and it's understandable because it feels really extreme and it's the thing that we're told all of the time that we shouldn't do. I'm looking up um, the intuitive RD. She just... She just said, I know you think you're different, but full permission to eat will not lead you to eating cupcakes and candy bars exclusively for the next 15 years. And she's saying that because that's the big fear, because when we start to allow food, we're starving for like weeks or months and it feels like it can't possibly be right. But that's also the reason why I tell people to, oh, she's awake, baby's awake. It's also the reason that I tell people to, um, look at it from the perspective of if you had been on in a like semi-famine for four years which is how long you were dieting for how long would you need to eat a lot of food before your body was like we're good it would take some time and Bridget responded I found that the more I released any sort of mental restriction or judgment towards my eating the quicker the refeeding phase was However, everyone is different my biggest tip is release all judgment towards how you're eating right now just accept that exactly where you are in that moment your body is smarter than you uh, um, than you think and it knows exactly what it needs um most people's experience of this is a couple months that's all i'm gonna say um of extreme like hunger and extreme eating and the more that you can really trust your body and be like you deserve to eat a lot of food after restricting for so much and for so long, um, the quicker it'll go. Bridget says, hi, Caroline. First and foremost, congrats on the book. I'm obsessed. It's one of the best I've read in this category. I'm rereading for the second time. Oh, thank you. Um, one thing I would love to learn or have you do a podcast on is when your body goes into starvation mode, what happens to the other bodily functions? I know this is all about how metabolism slows down, but could you talk more about what else goes on in the body? For example, when I battled with anorexia, I lost my period and my hair was extremely thin and my nails were brittle and I always felt constipated. Um, this is really interesting because I actually, I mean, like, as I've said many times, my brain first of all, it's fucking broken and foggy. And now I know why, but also my brain has never worked in like, in a micro scientific processes. It's just not how it works. It, it never has. Um, I've read about it and been like, wow, that makes a lot of sense. And then my brain just like cat, um, 
metabolized it into like like layperson speak. So this is just not how my brain works, but the way that I would, you know, I would look up hypothalamic amenorrhea and look at what happens to the hormones when we aren't eating enough food. So like what is actually happening in our hormonal process and then in our metabolic process and like so I would say hair and brittle nails are nutritional deficiencies losing your period is hypothalamic amenorrhea if you're not eating enough food your hormones are going to I think I think they're like they stop cycling properly I think that they're like you have lower levels of of hormone and again that is an evolutionary thing where it's like if you're not eating enough food if there's not enough food for the people who are currently alive there's not enough food for children there's not enough food for you to feed a child for you to eat enough to breastfeed a child like there it, it does make sense from that perspective um hold on i just i just lost the actual question da, 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 da. um feeling constipated Another really fascinating thing that I learned is that um, on Christy Harrison's podcast with um, with Marcy, oh damn it, Caroline, Marcy, Marcy Evans, uh, Christy Harrison's podcast is called Food Psych, and if you don't listen to it, you should because if you're at all frustrated with. <laughs> With my podcast, it will give you all of the things that I think you're craving. It'll give you a lot of different perspectives um, from anti-diet professionals, healthcare professionals, registered dietitians, and fat activists and people who are living this. So if you're looking for varied perspectives, that is the place to go. Obviously, this place is pretty much my personal perspective, which I do think is helpful, but of course, we crave lots of perspectives, right? So um, she talks about, and I recommend that you listen to it. It was a couple months ago that it came out. Um, she talks about how gut issues and eating disorders often go hand in hand and how eating disorders can actually exacerbate gut issues. And um, it's very fascinating but also I read something else and I wish I knew where I read it, where somebody said that, um, and it was a non-diet dietitian on Instagram, said that what when we're talking about gut health, there's so much that we're still learning about how gut um, you know, flora work and operate and how much control they have over your immune system and your... Um, your mental health like it, it it's crazy how how connected those those all those things are again which is why when doctors just treat one part of the body and aren't looking at how the whole thing works together um and of course more information is always coming out on this but like the fact that we ever were separating different parts of the body and acting like they don't affect each other i think is was a has been a shame um, but that what can really help gut flora is a varied diet and 
that this sort of ironic thing of when we get food intolerances, sometimes it's because of gut health issues and eating more food helps to populate your gut flora in a way that can help your gut health in the way. So like the idea of eliminating food to heal your gut, I think that there might be something to it if you have a super acute reaction, like eliminate it for a very, you know, for a little bit, but that there is the potential to reintroduce it, first of all. And second of all, that the less kinds of foods you let yourself eat is actually not the way to improve gut health. And I think that that's just a really interesting and important perspective. And again, I'm not an expert on this. I wish that I was. I really wish that I was because this is really fascinating to me. Um, But again, the research is only sort of just beginning to inform us and they keep learning new things about it. So this is a, this is, that's everyone that I've heard talk about. This is like, this is all really new information for everybody. Um, but it's definitely going to be a frontier. And, and I think that, you know, just get curious about that because it's really fascinating and it's kind of counterintuitive. Um, but I think that that's another piece of like, why are you constipated? Well, first of all, if your metabolism is super low, things aren't, things just like aren't moving. If you're not eating enough food, things aren't moving. Um, but also that there's a, that there's a gut thing here. And if you're not eating enough food or enough varied food, that gut flora can definitely affect your, um, your digestion. So that's not an answer to your question of what exactly happens when you starve, but I'm not the best person to ask on, on a micro level. And that I recommend that you kind of like read up on hypothalamic menorrhea, amenorrhea, because the endocrine system is incredibly complicated, like incredibly complicated in a way where I was diagnosed with PCOS in my teens and I would read up on it all of the time, like how all of the different hormones affected itself, each other and how the pituitary and the hypothalamus and the thyroid and all of these different glands um, communicated with each other and how the different levels affected each other. And I don't fucking understand. I never, I never, (laughs) I never truly understood because it's very complicated. And I also think that a lot of people don't understand because it's so complicated and there are so many things we don't understand about the body. However, I would guess that an endocrinologist or a more holistic endocrinologist um, would maybe be able to explain if you're really interested in, in all of the different hormonal processes and what happens in the body when we don't eat enough food. Um, I'm actually not the best person to ask. I just know that it fucks you up. Okay, next question. Now, you know what? My dog is getting so antsy, so I might need to take a little break. And let me just try to do this. Okay. Hello, I won't go into too much of my personal journey because it's quite long, but I do have a question. I'm at a point where I don't physically restrict, although I do still think about it at times, but I mentally restrict myself all the time by feeling guilty when I eat and moralizing my food choices. I also just constantly feel stress, anxiety, and shame around eating and feel lots of discomfort in my body. So I'm wondering how do I work on my mental restriction? I know part of it is being aware of the thoughts that are bringing up this anxiety 
and where they come from, but are there steps to do this? Um, are there steps to this that can help make this a bit easier? Thank you. And Bridget, my little birdie over here, who's responding to everybody, thank God for Bridget, says, read her book. She dives into mental restriction and it's extremely helpful. Yeah, I'm gonna now actually give a little disclaimer that if anybody is asking questions but hasn't read my book, you just need to read the book because you're gonna be able to ask a lot more specific questions um, once you actually know all of the things that I teach in my book and you're getting, you know, you're getting the stuff that I would have been teaching in courses um, before the book came out in the book. So I go into lots of tools to help um, move past the emotional and mental pieces of this journey. And I think it'll be really helpful. So that's my big disclaimer. If you're going to ask a question but haven't read the book yet, actually read the book first because it'll answer a lot of your questions. And then questions from there, I'm happy to answer. However, I'm also not going to be answering anything for the next three months. Don't forget. Okay. Next question. Oh, I'm trying to see whether I already answered this. Should I apply the fuck it time? Oh, no, no, no. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. Okay, Angela says, I found you at the perfect time of my life just over two years ago, two years and almost four months, but who's counting? I started my recovery after a lifelong battle with disordered eating. Your podcast has helped me immensely. I'm now reading your book and loving it. I've had an eating disorder for 37, yes, 37 years of my life from age 13 to 50. I thought I had binge eating disorder pretty much my whole life, but now realize it was simply restriction and keeping my weight artificially low that was creating my craziness around food. Oh, I really like the idea of keeping your weight artificially low. It's very telling. I'm now 52 and living a much happier life, free of food obsession. I'm still working on the body image piece as I've gone up in a, in a, in a weight but clearly have settled where my body is meant to be after years of keeping it at a lower weight and believing or rather lying to myself that this was my set point weight. It is a hard pill to swallow, but I'm getting there. My challenge is that I'm a yoga teacher, which I love surrounded by teachers who have very thin bodies like I did and eating plans with lots and lots of restrictions. I'm learning to pull it put it all into perspective and feel like I'm getting stronger in my own confidence in this new body at the studio where I teach. Your work has meant the world to me. I know that for someone who has lived with disordered eating for so long, recovery is not likely. Well, you'll, well, yeah, I see what you're saying. But I am living proof that it is possible. Yay! I do have one question that I have never really seen answered in the copious months of reading materials and blogs I've read through. You touched on it in your podcast, Lowering the Stakes. Here is my question. Should I apply the fuck a diet to how I eat? I'm very wary of making a diet out of what I consider my messy eating. My actual meals are just fine. I eat what I want. No stress there, but I tend to be hard on myself and put parameters around eating when it comes to just grabbing bites of this and that while cooking or off my kids' plates or I'm just or just because I'm hanging around some food or just because I feel like reaching into the cupboards for a bite or two of something when I'm not hungry, et cetera, et cetera. You get the picture. I'm hard on myself and try to tell myself that I can and should stop this incidental eating. Hell no. You don't need to stop that incidental eating. No, 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 no. Eat, eat, eat. 
this is like reminding me of the French women diet where it's like only eat sitting down at your plate three times a day and eat very, very slowly and only eat half the banana. It's like, no, 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 no. Occasionally, but not often, this can lead to a bout of guilt eating. Exactly. Exactly. Overeating simply because it snowballed because probably also because I feel so badly about it. Yes, 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 yes. Um, you know, that's one of the huge reasons why eating should always be allowed and the less drama the better i'm not sure if i've answered my own question here but i guess i just want your blessing i give you my blessing you're allowed to eat whenever and the more guilt you feel about any eating the more chance that weird shit is going to happen with your eating i just see this eating as messy so interesting not so pretty to look at and even sometimes embarrassing but i come from a lebanese family where food is a huge focus and probably saw my mom do this when she was cooking or eating a snack or lunch standing at the counter as opposed to sitting down. I was very judgmental of that. I know eating is different for everyone and life is messy and isn't so pretty sometimes. Am I trying to control and make a diet out of this? Yes, you are. Do you see any, any merit in limiting this kind of picking eating at all? I don't see any merit. I don't. I don't. I really don't. Because your body is not stupid. So it's not going to like... It, it's just... You're, like caloric intake is not a bank account it's just not like you don't have to audit it your body will do that like if you eat and you're not meant to be as hungry later because you ate you won't be or if you are it means that you need to eat like it's just it doesn't need to be complicated it's allowed to just be eating and I, I stand by that I really do. Um, I've been down the path of being like, let's make this a like a beautiful ritual. And it's just quickly becomes disordered, if not inherently disordered. All right, I'm going to take a little pause. I'm going to take my dog for a walk. And then I'm going to come back and finish this, bitch. Okay, but do you know what the most amazing thing is? I just went for my walk. I ate food. It's probably been an hour or two. I don't even really know. I checked the next question and I'd already answered it on the last episode. So guess what that means? I'm done. And I'm going on a three month hiatus to run the book club and I'm fucking excited. Um, so if you're wanting to work with me and work with other people who are working through the book, join the book club. If you still haven't read the book go read the book because it really will help I think it will clarify a lot of things put it in context and give a lot of tools on the emotional and mental pieces of this journey as well and other than that thank you so much for listening I will be around I will be on Instagram posting pictures of my dog and screenshots of my sister texting me about Game of Thrones she has caught up I mean she's not caught up but she has gone through five seasons in about a month like it's been crazy she was on vacation from school so I guess that makes sense but the last thing I want to say is while I was eating lunch I realized that I wanted to clarify a little bit more um uh you know western medicine is amazing it saves people's lives the surgeries are amazing they can do wonderful life-saving things that are really important and I wouldn't want to get rid of that for the world obviously like just in case that needs to be said I'm not like I don't think essential oils can heal you know people of like 
heart disease or whatever, you know, I, 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 I genuinely believe that it, it, there is a time and a place and it's amazing and life-saving. I also believe the flip side that, um, it's a broken system and that, I don't fully trust pharmaceutical companies and that's just that. I mean, it's it's not hard to find documentation of um, shady shit that pharmaceutical companies do. So anyway, that's where I stand on that and I just felt like I had to clarify in case it sounded like I was saying that, um, you know, in case it sounded like I was somebody who just didn't believe in anything. I believe in some things, you know. And that's just that. Life is complicated and nuanced and nothing is straightforward, even though we want it to be. We want it to be, but it isn't. And so I will talk to you in three months or sooner if you join the book club. And I hope that you do. Just so you know, you can find out more information at thefuckadiet.com slash club. And even more information once enrollment opens, because I'm currently working on some frequently asked questions about the book club and a little bit more of how it's going to work. And that's really it. And I'll talk to you soon. And I don't know what's going to happen with Patreon. So just do whatever you want and I'll update you in three months. Goodbye.